Well, last time I was here uh, was before the pandemic hit. Uh, uh, Hillcrest was in full-fledged transition at that time, and I can remember uh, teaching on forgiveness, and I believe that was a timely word at that time, but I believe there's a timely word today that the Lord has put on my heart to share with you, and it's on trust. And so we're going to unpack that word a little bit. But before I do, you know, the pandemic has brought so many changes to our life and caused us to live life a little differently. And uh, I I know for some of us, because we've been locked into our houses a little bit more than uh, usual, we've started new hobbies and and new things that we've taken interest in. I know for me, I've I've resurrected my hobby of tropical fish. And I have a big fish tank that I've I've resurrected and restarted. And that's been fun for me during the pandemic. And it's actually been quite relieving for me, too. Because I'll, I'll go down and have my quiet time sometimes in the basement where the fish tank is. And it's just soothing. And so I enjoy that. Another thing that my family and I have done, specifically my wife and I have done, is we started watching World War II movies in chronological order. I'm a little bit of a World War II buff. My dad fought in in World War II, won three Purple Hearts. And uh, we looked up on the internet, my wife did this, researched it, and found a list where you can watch these old classic World War II movies in chronological order so you can kind of follow the development of the war. And it's really been enjoyable, and, and I've learned a lot from it. Uh, one of my favorite movies out of all of them that we, we've watched is the movie Dunkirk. I don't know if you've seen that. There's a couple versions of it. Both of them are great. But I love the movie uh, Dunkirk because it talks about a miracle that God did. Now, the movie doesn't flesh it out. And probably the average person doesn't even realize some of the miracles that took place with the rescue of the troops in Dunkirk. And most of you probably know what I'm talking about, but at the very beginning of the war, it was in the spring of 1940, the British troops were trapped on the French coast. The Nazi army had surrounded them and was closing in on them and and a bunch of French troops. And there was a large, large delegation of British troops there. And if the Nazis had overwhelmed them and, uh, and killed them or captured them, it would deliver a huge blow to the war effort for Britain. I mean, this was a crucial, crucial juncture of the war right, off the be- right at the beginning. But I'll tell you what changed it is what uh, King George VI did. Now, you may not know this, but King George VI was a man, man of faith. And he declared a national day of prayer for May 26, 1940. He said, I, I beseech the whole country to call upon our Heavenly Father to help us. It's in Him is our trust, and we need His help now more than ever. And what happened was astounding. The people all over Britain, Scotland, Ireland, they all flocked to the churches, the cathedrals, and prayed. Westminster Abbey was packed. People surrounded it. Nothing had been seen like that before. And what happened on the heels of that was remarkable. There were four miracles that took place during the rescue of the troops at Dunkirk. The first one was this, to fight all logic. But Hitler went against his general's wishes and commands and said, no, we're going to halt the advance. He stopped the advance on the beaches of Dunkirk. He could have easily wiped out all the troops. But for some unexplained reason, he halted the advance. The second thing that happened was there was this huge storm along the the, the coast, over the beaches and the inland. And so the the Luftwaffe couldn't fly. 
because it was so cloudy, the weather was so bad. There was a few breaks in the weather over the days where they were doing evacuation, where they got a few sorties up to fly, but not many. And so it was an incredible miracle that there was this cloud cover and this storm over the land. But equally as remarkable was the third miracle. The English Channel was perfectly calm. Storm over the coast of France, but the English Channel was calm, which allowed all these small crafts, and they sent everything that would float across that channel to pick up the troops. And so there's a miracle there that the English Channel was calm so the small craft could make it safely there and back. The fourth miracle was the seeming immunity that the troops on the beach had. Now, explain, explain this. There, there, there were a few sorties that got through. Some of the German aircraft came and did strafe the beach. But remarkably, very few casualties. And many troops said it was a miracle that they were spared. They don't know how that they weren't hit on the beach with bullets flying everywhere. One chaplain was remarkable. He wrote this about his experiences on the beaches of Dunkirk during this time. He said there was a time when a, a German fighter was flying over the beach strafing, and he dove on the beach, flat, spread out on the beach, knowing that this would be it for him. And the bullets were flying all around him. It finally, he heard the plane pass over and was gone, and he thought for sure he was hit. But he stood up, looked around his, over his body, no wounds. He looked down at the beach, and you could see where he was laying because there was bullet holes all around the perimeter of where his body was. He said it was a miracle. And so there were really bona fide miracles that took place when the country called out and said, God, we need you. It's in you that we put our trust. And I love what some of the, the uh, members of parliament wrote after this, these miracles took place. And I'll read this to you. This is what was written and published for the people of Britain to read by some of the leaders of Britain. It said, but praise be to the Lord who has not given us over for prey unto their teeth. Our soul has escaped even as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we are delivered. Our help standeth in the name of the Lord who hath made heaven and earth. They recognized it was their trust in God that delivered them. And if there's ever a time in our country where we need to do that afresh, it's now. You know, Kansas City did this years ago. There was, a lot of people don't know this. I read this out of a Hallmark book that we bought, one of those coffee table books. But there was a time in the early history of Kansas City where a plague of locusts descended on Kansas City. You couldn't walk in the downtown streets without stepping on locusts. And the mayor called a day of prayer. He said, you know, on such and such day, I want the whole city to be praying that God would deliver us because it was destroying crops, destroying the business, and, and it was just a, a hardship for the entire people of Kansas City. On the day scheduled for prayer, the locusts flew away. It's when we put our trust in God that we find deliverance. That's where our hope is. We need to rediscover that as a country. I mean, just think of what we've been through, Right? I mean, we, we, we've had the pandemic that's still going on. We've had civil unrest. We've had political unrest. And now we've had this winter storm that, uh, you know, it was historic. And, and in Texas, I have a, a, a family members that live in Texas, and the, they went four days without power in, in freezing weather. 
I mean, God's trying to get our attention. We need to put our trust in God afresh, right? I think of Hillcrest. I, I love Hillcrest, as I said earlier. But Hillcrest has been through the ringer, right? Through this transition. I'm so glad to hear that uh, the pastoral search has gone well and you have a, 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 what sounds like a, a fantastic candidate. And I, I believe that's going to be the end of this chapter of transition and the beginning of new days for Hillcrest and new chapters. But it's going to be glorious only if we continue to put our trust in God. And so that reminds me of one of my lifetime favorite verses. Uh, when I was graduating uh, from college many years ago, uh, I, I received some graduation gifts, which I really appreciated. But my favorite was a simple one that my sister Julie gave me. And by the way, Julie and her husband Don were on staff here years ago as mission pastors. But she needle-pointed this for me and gave this to me as my graduation gift. And it's from Proverbs 3. You guys probably know this verse well. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God, and he will direct your path. Well, ever since getting this, I, I, we've had this hanging in, in our house ever since, and it's reminded me of the importance of trusting God. And I have grown in that. I still have a long ways to go, <laughs> as we all do, and there's things that challenge that trust from time to time. But this has, learning to trust God has been one of the biggest challenges in my life, for sure. And it seems like the older you get, the more dense and dings you get, <laughs> and the more reason you need to trust in God. Am I right? <laughs> but uh, it's also, learning to trust God has been the biggest reward by experiencing His peace in the midst of a hardship by seeing how he marvelously works things out when I, I can't even imagine how he would have done it beforehand. So Proverbs 3 has been a great, great inspiration for me. And I'll tell you, the greatest, greatest example of trusting God was found in Jesus. I mean, that's no surprise, right? Jesus was the greatest example of all things. But we see this in Luke chapter 23 when he's on the cross dying for our sins. And we hear this prayer that he utters in verse 46. It's a short verse, but an incredibly powerful verse. And so I'm going to read that for us right now. It's Luke chapter 23, verse 46. It says this, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last now, that's a short verse, but a powerful verse. And so let's take just a few minutes to unpack that a little bit, because I believe this has a lot to teach us in this day and age that we find ourselves in. There's some great practical lessons for us. First of all, prior to this prayer, we hear that a, a darkness had covered the whole land. I mean, a literal, natural darkness well, maybe supernatural darkness, but the clouds were so thick in the morning that it seemed as if it was night. There was darkness covering everywhere, and it got everybody's attention. And that's when Jesus said, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. It's in that place of darkness that he trusted his Father. And isn't it metaphorical for us that when we find in our times of darkness, that's when we more than ever need to trust God. We need to lean into God in those times. 
and re rely on him for his help and support and strength that he can give us when our soul seems overworked uh, over, uh, over, uh, and weighed down. That's when we need to trust in God more than ever. You know, even the centurion, it's interesting watching the centurion's reaction in this passage. Now, this centurion probably had seen many, many people crucified on a cross and saw how most of them reacted, but he was blown away by Jesus, by the way that Jesus responded. I mean, first of all, in a loud voice, he cried out this prayer. Most dying people don't cry out in a loud voice. They can barely get a whisper out, especially on the cross because you die of suffocation because you're sinking down and the only way you can breathe is to push up off the nail. But with a loud voice, he called out to his father. He also witnessed a number of things about Jesus. In this, there was no bitterness. There was no anger, no rash statements that were made. There was a spirit of peace upon Jesus. He saw the difference in Jesus. And probably the biggest thing that he witnessed that made Jesus stand apart from anyone else was in the midst of his pain, he looked to God. He looked to his Father. Isn't that a lesson for us? In the midst of our pain, what do we look at? I know for me, there's times where I'm in the midst of my pain, I'm looking at my pain. I'm overwhelmed by all the issues in my life, and I'm running mental games thinking about all those things. And I seem overwhelmed. And it's not until I refocus on Jesus that I find that peace. When we're going through the pains and the trials of life, we need to keep our eyes on God. That's what Jesus taught us here. His eyes weren't on his pain. They're on his heavenly Father. So great lessons. And I got to say, you know, I, I am indebted to a number of people over the years that have taught me lessons about trust. I'm still learning it. And I'm praying that some of the lessons they've taught me I can pass on to you. I think of one of my youth pastors who really taught me how to trust God. I mean, he modeled it really well. And I've endeavored to follow in his footsteps. I think of some of the great preachers I've heard. The one that I grew up with uh, would teach on trust and inspire me. I think of Rick Warren has a great message on trust. I also think of some of my dear friends from the city and the lessons of trust I've learned from them. Those who have had to experience and go through things I, I, I never even imagined, but yet they still trust God. I have so many friends from the inner city that have inspired me in my faith so deeply. And so I'm, I'm thankful for them, and I'm hoping in some way I can impart some of the lessons they taught me to you. And, and I want to do that by focusing in on four words here from this prayer of Jesus. Four words. The first one is Father. Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Jesus recognized that he had a heavenly Father that cared for him. And the word here is Abba. And you've heard sermons on this, I'm sure. Many of you have, uh, could stand up here and give a sermon on, on what Abba means. But it's that endearment, that, that phrase of endearment, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, it's intimate. And that's so unusual for all other religions of the world because other religions of the world refer to God in, as a distant deity that's to be revered and feared. And certainly we're supposed to revere and have a holy fear of our Heavenly Father, but it's not one of being scared or cowering because we have a Heavenly Father that's intimate and desires a close relationship with us. Working in the inner city, I've grown to appreciate this more than ever. Uh, there, the, 
it, it's amazing. Probably 80% or more of the kids that we work with do not have a dad in the home. And so myself and, and our staff have filled that gap. And it's been amazing to see how there is a deep longing in each of these kids for a father figure. Someone to love them unconditionally. Someone to speak life into them. Someone to say, I'm proud of you. That is an innate desire that we all have and ultimately can only be fulfilled by our Heavenly Father who loves us more than we love ourselves. I'll tell you, I, I love being a grandfather. I have eight grandkids and they keep me busy. <laughs> My wife and I, we tend to babysit quite a bit and I get tired. I'll tell you, I get worried. I don't know how my wife and I raised six kids, but we did. And with the eight grandkids, I get pretty tired sometimes, and, but I love it. And I love it like when we're going somewhere and, and my grandkids will reach up and grab my hand. Oh, I love that. And to help guide them through the store, across the street. And there are sometimes it's just precious, where we'll be going somewhere, I'll have their hand, and they'll stop and pivot around in front of me and just reach up for me to hold them. I mean, you talk about melting you. That's how our Heavenly Father is with us. So in those storms of life, you've got a Heavenly Father that loves you perfectly. Now, none of us have had perfect fathers, but we've got one in heaven, and he loves you perfectly. So Father is the first word. The second word is trust. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Trust. Learning to trust God is vital, especially in this day and age, because who else are you going to trust? Are you going to trust the government? I mean, that's why you see so many people in a tizzy right now. It's because their trust is in the government, and they see it eroding and crumbling, and their world is crumbling because that's where they put their trust. Guys, I don't think you can put your trust in the government. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be active and, and, and work for things in the political realm, but ultimately, that's, that's not where our security in life is. It's not in the government. If that's where it is, you're on, you're on uh, sinking sand. Even the politicians, I think, would tell you, no, you can't trust the government right now. <laughs> you know, you just can't. I mean, what else are you going to trust? You're going to trust the media? I mean, the media doesn't spin anything, do, do they? I mean, you can trust what, what the news says. Internet never lies to you. Uh, I mean, really, what are you going to trust? You know, can you trust your own emotions? I can't. I mean, my emotions, you know, kind of go with the wind sometimes. I need to call out to Jesus to be my anchor so my emotions don't swing away with me. Our emotions can deceive us. And I'll tell you who else deceives us. It's Satan. Satan's alive and well. and he'll, Your emotions are his playground. He'd love to take your emotions and, and manipulate them and get you believing lies about yourself or about someone else or something else. Don't allow that to happen. I'll tell you how you can do it, how you, how you can fight that. It's by trusting the Word of God. The Word of God is truth. The Word of God is reliable. It doesn't change. It's authoritative. So you need to trust the Word of God. And I, I know I'm kind of preaching the choir. I know you guys do that. But it's good to be reminded, isn't it? I mean, we've got a good Word. And, and we can't take it for granted. I know churches here in town, I have friends in some of these churches that they've kind of abandoned the Word of God. They, 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 they don't believe it's inerrant. They don't believe it's authoritative. They believe it's just some good teachings. But they've gone away from it. I don't believe you can have truth without a standard. 
And if you don't believe in the Bible, what is your standard for measuring truth? Is it just your own stinking thinking? I'm telling you, you're in trouble if that's your standard. The time-tested truth is this Bible right here. It's the Word of God. That is our time-tested truth that we can trust and will help be an anchor for our emotions and our spirit in times of trouble. So I encourage you, when you're struggling, you need to double down in your quiet time. That's your anchor. Get more time in the Word. Get more time in prayer. Don't leave the place of prayer until you've encountered God. Allow Him to minister to your spirit. I encourage you to read a, a proverb a day. It's, it's, it's the wisdom of God that will help you in times of trouble. I encourage you to read James on a regular basis. James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's great. When I was in college, I, I got to sit with a handful of budding uh, uh, pastors. And um, Billy Graham spoke to us. And, you know, of course, for, for a young kid, this was big time. And I, but I remember he said this. He said one of his daily habits in life was to read a proverb a day and five psalms a day. So he read both throughout the month. He said, those are my spiritual vitamins. And since that time, I've tried to do the same thing. And I'll tell you, it has helped me. It's helped me weather the storms of life. It's helped me keep me out of storms of life. And so I encourage you, be in the Word of God. Trust His, His Word. You know, Rick Warren tells this story uh, and maybe you, you've seen this, but he tells a story of seeing a bumper sticker one time when he was driving. And the bumper sticker was this. It said, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. So that's a nice bumper sticker, but I'd like to rewrite it. I'd like to rewrite it this way. God said it. That settles it, whether I believe it or not. I think that's a more accurate bumper sticker. God's truth, whether we believe it or not, is the standard. It's the thing that can lead us to truth, and it's something that we can trust in. The third word is this. It's spirit. He says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Yeah, I think a lot of times in our Western mindset, we get so caught up in the material things and the physical world around us, we don't realize there's a whole nother dimension around us. I think sometimes Hollywood gets it better than we do because you see all these, these incredible movies, you know, fanciful movies about these other realms, and they're not necessarily biblical, but I think they're scratching on something, recognizing that there's more than just what we see with our eyes. There is a spiritual world that is real, that's more real than what we see around us right now. It's it's something that we're going to enjoy for all of eternity. And we've got to remember that. We've got the spiritual reality ahead of us, and that's what Jesus was recognizing here, is that there's a spirit world that is true. And that's why at Freedom Fire, we do lots of practical things, helping people with practical needs, uh, with food. Uh, we, we've seen crime rates go down. We've seen drug dealers come to know the Lord and so forth. Lots of practical things. Tim Keller says when you preach the gospel, stuff happens. And we've seen that. For sure. But our number one goal at Freedom Fire is preaching the gospel. Because we know that eternity is a moment away. And all the social ills that we have around us, we may not be able to solve them all. But if we can direct them to Jesus, the author and finisher of our life, then they will realize the truth of Revelations 21. When Jesus wipes away every tear. 
and makes every injustice right. And so that's what we do. We try and direct them because we believe that there is a spiritual world. And for us to make it through the storms of life, to keep our eyes on eternity, on Jesus, on heaven, it will help us. It helps us fly straight in life if we do that. And I got to tell you, I, I love mowing. It's kind of a funny thing, but I love to mow. I know a lot of people hate mowing. Some people hire other people to mow for them. I would never do that because I love mowing. I have four acres. And I just bought a zero turn not long ago. And that thing is so fun. Zero turns are a blast. And, um, and so I enjoy mowing a lot. And I can actually, with the zero turn, stripe my yard. For those of you who know what that is, that's where you leave these nice lines, you know, in it and makes it look nice. But I've learned that I can't stripe it well if I'm looking back to see how I'm doing. It doesn't work that way. You've got to keep your eyes forward, fixed on an object, and go straight. And that's the way it is in our spiritual life. The way we fly straight in life is having our eyes fixed on Jesus, on eternity, and the hope of heaven that we have. The fourth word is hands. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. God has capable hands, big hands. In fact, we grew up learning the song, he's got the whole world in his hands, right? He's got us all there. His hands are big enough to bless us, to keep us. We have eternal security through God. His hands are big enough to take care of us. I know for some, their father's hands were, were a sign of fear because they were mistreated. But that's not it with our Heavenly Father. We have a Heavenly Father that loves us. When we see His hands, His, hand, His hands are there to help us up. When we blow it, He doesn't want to kick us when we're down. He extends His hand to help us up. If you're struggling right now with something in your life, He's there with His hands to help you up. Those four words, if you keep those in mind, it will help you during the storms of life and help you to more readily trust God. Jesus, indeed, will take care of you today and beyond. And when the sum of all your days here on earth are over, he will still care for you because he loves you. I challenge you with this. Pray every day, Lord, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Pray that regularly. I, I, I get on my knees virtually every day. I have my to-do list. And I'll lay it before God and say, God, here's the things I think I should do, but I, I'm lifting it up to you, and I trust you to help me with it. Lord, I entrust my day, I entrust my life into your hands. It's a daily prayer. I encourage you, if you're not doing that, to do that. And finally, it's this. What do you need to entrust God with today? Entrust means to deposit. He'll keep it safe for you. Like, like putting money in a bank. He'll keep it safe and guard it for you. What do you need to entrust into his hands today? I can tell you what you need to entrust to him today. It's whatever you're worrying about. Whatever is weighing you down, whatever you worry about, that's what you need to entrust to God today. It might be a family relationship. It might be your child. It might be your marriage. It might be a sibling that you need to entrust to God. It might be your job, your work. You know, with the pandemic, it's made it really tough for a lot of people with work. Maybe you've got to trust God in a fresh way for that. Maybe you've done really well during this time, but you still have to trust him. You know, when your identity is in work, you ride every wave. 
good or bad? What do you need to entrust God with? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's the, what's going on in, in church here. You've got to trust God that he's got a plan for Hillcrest. Maybe it's your own spiritual life. Maybe there's things in your life you're just frustrated. You've tried to change and it's like, God, it doesn't seem like I'm ever making any difference. You need to trust God and lift it to him. He may not always remove everything, but it says his burden is light, his yoke is easy. He'll lift it off your shoulders. You need to entrust to God. So let's take a moment to pray right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you now. And Lord, we want to bring our worries and our trials to you now. And we say we trust you. Lord, would you take them from us? Lord, they're too big for us. We can't solve them all in our own wisdom, our own strength. Some are way beyond us, Lord. Lord, you're our hope. I just encourage you right now, whatever the Lord brings to your mind that you need to entrust to him, whatever worries you have, just do that with the Lord right now silently, wherever you're at. Father, we, we don't understand it all. We don't understand all the things that happen in our life and some of the struggles that we have. Sometimes it's hard to make sense of, Father. But it's into your hands that we entrust our life and our spirit. Amen.